Coming up this week on the Smitty and Mitty Show, we're joined by fantasy football writer Jeff Bell to discuss the NFL season, what was and what will be, coming up next here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. We are back here tuned in to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Noah Smith, Tyler Middleton back in the studio with you here to bring you another week of mediocre sports content across the whole network. Big thanks to our sponsors, Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions, and Dave Milton at Sun Life Financial and King Garden. Life is brighter under the sun. Speaking of that sunshine, Mitty, I wore shorts outside for the first time this past week. It's a big guy thing to do. I do it all the time. Big guy thing to do. It is. It's just, it's more comfortable. It breathes. As soon as it broke like two degrees and I was going for a walk, shorts. Poop. Shorts. Well, I told you about when I was in Kalamazoo and my, uh, uh, it hit one degree Celsius and I moved the couch outside, put my shorts on. I was reading a book on the balcony and everyone was like, what are you doing? I'm like, man, it's above zero. Like, I'm happy. Uh, this, this is, this is outdoors. This is outdoor time. Right. And if you notice, I am uh, not in studio and that is because my eight month old, uh, currently is going through a sleep regression and is getting a lot of teeth. So she screams quite constantly. So I felt like I should be here to help sometimes. Best idea when your child is screaming is to move the studio to the screaming. Right. It's to move the microphone as close to the screaming as possible. Yes. It's more because at this point, uh, Kara gets everything uh, if she leaves me, or at least half of everything. And if I'm just not home ever and not here to help, then she's going to take half of everything I have. And that includes half the studio. So I don't know what half (laughs) we're giving to you, but I guess technically a third... She would get a quarter of the studio because she would get half of your half. Right. So she can have that t-shirt. Yes. And whatever the beer is behind you. And I will give her the Smitty Mini Show sign that Jack drew all over. Right. Sound good? Sound good? That's okay. At least now I will make sure it's in the prenup before uh, the wedding. Speaking of the wedding coming up, we are selling some raffle tickets. Have you sold any of our raffle tickets yet? I have sold one. To yourself? My mother. Your mother bought one ticket? I don't know. I haven't actually sold it yet. I just heard her say she would buy one. So so you sold none. So well. chalk it down as one. Mm-hmm. And we'll write it that down in the book. And I'm in the lead. Well, if anyone out there is looking for some raffle tickets, you know, we got a Yeti cooler with a LCBO gift card. We've got a smoker. Uh, we've got a very special one from Dave Middleton at Sun Life Financial. Life is brighter under the sun. He is donating. He has three race cars at Sobel Speedway in Sobel Beach. And he is donating an afternoon of racing with lunch provided by M&M Meat Shop in Owen Sound. Uh, you can go out, do a couple laps of the racetrack, have some dirty bergs and a hot dog or two. Uh, that's another day. Am I missing anything? I feel like I'm missing one prize. 
I had a question regarding the race. Oh, can I win that? Wait, wait, can wait, I wait. Win? hold on. No, I know what the picture is. It's a picture of uh, the very last game played at Maple Leaf Gardens. It's signed by a whole bunch of players, including Ed Belfour. So that's up there as well. So find us on uh, on our Facebook page. Uh, you can message us mini mini show if you're looking for any tickets. Oh, so yeah. uh, tickets are for sale. Can I win the racing? Uh, no. Can I go racing? Well, technically, yes, I guess. There was somebody who put their name in, and this person is uh, blind in the left eye. So I don't know how you're going to turn left appropriately. Um, but, I mean, I'm down. I'm down for a day of racing to see. Depends what eye. If it's the right eye, you can totally turn left. I just said it was the left eye. That's a oh, problem. Okay. Uh, can we race backwards? I guess you could go. You're the only one on the track. So I guess you could go the other way. But race tell, cars the other, are tell the other two cars to go right. Instead, race, right? car, race cars are weighted so that they stay on the track so that I feel like if you put the weight on the other side, it'll just kind of roll down the hill. I'm 24 and I just learned that weight race cars are weighted. They're also the, the tires on the inside, on the left side of the car, the driver's side car is smaller than the tires on the uh, outside. Smaller like size-wise or like width-wise? Size-wise. So all, so, that, all... so that you're tilted down. Huh. Huh. To keep yourself lower to the ground. Yeah, yeah, I feel like we need to get out to the racetrack and, and do a segment on racing. Hey, we could at any time get out to Sable Beach if we wanted to get out there. Well, chalk it down as an idea for Smitty Mitty Show Summer 2022. Smitty races. Well, you could just win the prize. If you if you sold one ticket to yourself, which, I mean, I expected when I said that anyone bought tickets, you would have said yourself. I don't have any yeah. in hand. How am I supposed to buy them if I don't have any in hand? I brought you some. No, you didn't. I brought you some. No, you didn't. It's okay, like the same. It's like the same way how you told me who our guest on the show was this week, and then you forgot to actually send me who the show on the the the, the guest is. You you just by the way, uh, guest coming up here just a little bit. Jeff Bell is going to join us. Uh, he is a fantasy football writer. We're going to talk about the Bills. The Bills. We're going to talk about some fantasy football and just a wrap up on the NFL season. We'll put a close on it for another seven months or whatever it is. So if you're Tired of hearing us talk about football. This will be the last one for a while. So I'm sad. He's sad. We're all sad for football. Anyways, we got a lot of football to get to on the show today. And as mentioned, we're going to be joined by Jeff Bell here. Jeff is a fantasy football writer for the football guys. And he joins us now. Jeff, thanks for uh, coming on to the show. Uh, pleasure to have you on. We're excited to talk some football. Hey, fantastic to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Noah and Tyler. And I'm very excited and definitely ready to talk about football. Yeah, we got like, what, seven months of no football. So let's get some talking while we can. Uh, I don't even know what I want to do first. Let's just talk about the Bills first because I see them in the background. I know you're a Bills fan. Uh, we're both Bills fans, one of us more than the other. And uh, what? Do you, first of all, just what do you think about the season? What, what was the season? A, a yay or nay for you? It was a push maybe. I don't know. It was, uh, you know, last year there was all the excitement and feeling like we had gotten so close, but just having that feeling again, you know, I, I grew up in the nineties and being at that level again, it just felt so good to be back. And this year we came into the season with expectations this year, really for the first time and, you know, mid season, it kind of, we had that little bit of a swoon and it kind of felt like maybe this isn't going to be our year to turn around and be peaking at the end of the year, like we were. And, and then to, you know, the Patriots game, the way that game went. Uh, and certainly I think confidence was about as high as it possibly could have been. 
I don't know the the uh, the you know some of the play calling in the Kansas City game, the way that game started early, that was very frustrating, especially in hindsight. The way that it, they turned it on in the fourth quarter, it makes you you really you walk away. It's just so much what if, and that that's really the ultimate feeling on the season, I think. And and there's you know there's games that we dropped during the season that could have had that game be played in Buffalo. There's games that even we could have been the number one seed and not even played Kansas City until the AFC Championship game, which we saw the, their performance there. And and I mean, if we if we hit a squib kick, I don't know, you, you kill 13 seconds, don't play prevent, you know, are we Super Bowl champs right now? So it's it's one of those that it's it's you know being a Bills fan for a long time, it's a Bill season. I feel like uh, we are already uh, two, three minutes into the show here. And like you said, uh, it's been weeks, if not already a month of what ifs, right? You start yeah. playing those scenarios in your the head. Wounds of, have been of, opened again. What, what, cause what could we have done differently? Like how could this have gone differently that we'd be sitting here celebrating right now? But I feel like you touched on at the start of the season, the expectations were probably higher than they've ever been, if not uh, certainly in a long time. Um, and then kind of, through the midway point of the season, we fell off a little bit. And then the expectations came back as the season finished off. Would you say like overall that this season's expectations fell short? And if so, by a lot, I would definitely, you know, we were in the AFC championship game the year before. So to lose in the second round of the playoffs to, to it's really just goes down to the way that the team was playing prior to that loss. And I think that, you know, we knew Kansas City was going to be a difficult game, but the way that the Bills, it just seemed to be peaking, and, and especially against the Patriots, that had that performance, that felt like that was the best performance of the season. The way that the fourth quarter went, you know, it, it just felt like had we gotten the opportunity to touch the ball in overtime, we would have won. And and it was just one of those that, and the, you know, and you see the way the Super Bowl the way the Super Bowl played out, I think that that kind of leaves the the really the feeling in, in your mind because had it been one of these games where the Rams just fired on all cylinders and you thought, okay, well that that's a an great team and you know that would have been a very difficult test. But that the way that game went, you just felt like Josh Allen playing in that game and for so much of the game nobody could do anything. If you put Josh Allen in that atmosphere, you know the way that he was rolling and especially the high points of the season. I, I have a feeling that we would have been, we'd be celebrating right now. It, it's just the, just the way that you feel. Now we'll talk about that loss uh, a little bit here. You talked about the 13 seconds, which I mean, like I was so excited. My nose was literally bleeding watching the game because I was jumping up yeah. and down so much. Uh, it was probably the best football game I have ever seen just mm-hmm. from the outside looking in. And it was really hard for me to look at that game and say, to be disappointed. It was really hard for me to watch that game and be disappointed. Now, last year in the AFC Championship, uh, I was very disappointed in the way the Bills performed. But this year, I mean, they gave everything. They what? Like, there was just, I just didn't feel, it was, It came down to a fluky overtime rule um, that we all have discussions about, that even the Kansas City uh, Chiefs had discussions about years ago. Um, do you think that that needs to be changed? Do you have a way that we can change the play? I'm not blaming it. I'm not blaming the Bills' loss on that. Uh, I've never said that here, but I do think it is something that maybe needs to be changed. I think both need both teams need to touch to touch the ball in overtime. I think that that's a very modest proposal that, you know, we already have that rule with field goals or if they don't score at all, both teams get to touch the ball. I don't know why we just can't do it with touchdowns. It just kind of feels like 
allow both teams a rebuttal, one rebuttal, and then go to see where you go from there. It just kind of feels like a very easy way to solve that situation. My, my fix, because the only thing I didn't like is the true 50 50 of heads versus tails on a flip. That's the really only problem I have. So my whole fix was whoever gets the ball first to start the game gets the ball first to start overtime. So if you do a flip to start the game and you decide to defer, that means you're understanding that you're not going to get the ball to start overtime. It's that easy because that, that team gets to decide what they want to do. And now it's just not left up completely the chance. At least there's a decision there somewhere. A rule that I saw somebody say that I really kind of, I had never thought of it but before, but it seemed interesting to me would be essentially you continue from the end of the end of the fourth period. Like you, you treat it as like just another quarter. And so at the end of this game, Kansas city would have just hit that field goal. So they would be kicking off to Buffalo because that would be the continuation of the game. Or, you know, if you're, if you're driving, if you get a kickoff and there's 13 seconds left and then it just kind of rolls and you don't go anywhere, it's third down, the game ends, then you roll over and it's third down at the beginning of overtime and in the exact same position. I, I, I think, feel like that's an, an interesting proposal that I saw somebody say that, you know, we're, we're not really conditioned to think that way in sports. Um, but that seems like it would be a natural flow of you. You're just really treating it as an extra quarter. Yeah. We see so often that uh, whether it's in any of the major sports, right. When you go to an extra period, when you go to overtime, when you go to extra innings uh, it's almost like a reset, right? Why do we have mm-hmm. to make it a reset? Why do we have to start a new game? If you will, um, so I, I didn't, I've never heard that, you know, that, that idea of just continuing on, but honestly, with you, I don't know about you, Mitty. I like that. Like, I feel like that would, I feel like that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there might be some way that teams would find, like a teams always find a way to, you know, gerrymander their way into, into having, uh, some kind of advantage going into overtime. And I don't know how you would do that, but I'm sure there's something I just haven't had enough time. But, to but like in, in the situation of the, uh, of the, of that game, right. Does Kansas city now maybe try to go for the touchdown instead of the field goal, right? Like knowing that they wouldn't get the ball to start overtime, right. I feel like it could be an interesting way and, and certainly a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it could be, uh, let's talk about the bills one more time. Last time before we move on and we'll talk about, uh, uh, just the NFL in general, if the Bills need to do one thing this offseason, if it's running back, O-line, D-back, or any kind of anything on the defense, is it coaching? What do you think they really need um, to push themselves further next year? You know, a lot of people have talked about adding an, another pass rusher, and I think that Jerry Hughes, he's kind of, I wouldn't say his performance has declined so much as we just know that he's kind of at that cliff and he's going to fall off. Um, but, you know, if I were... Part of it's being a fantasy guy, but part of it's just the excitement of Josh Allen. I'd love to just go out there and just get a big time receiver that we can put next to Stefan Diggs, opposite Stefan Diggs with Gabe Davis working into a role and just like roll out there and just go full blown on the offense. Are you someone who thinks that running back is that important? I mean, it scares me a whole hell of a lot when Josh Allen takes the ball on design runs he is going to get hurt eventually. I mean, I don't think there's any way to, to really get around it. I mean, you're playing in the NFL against other grown, grown men, some big men who are going to just catch you wrong at some point. And if you don't have a dependable carrier to, to be able to take some of the weight off of Allen, then you're just kind of just, you're, it feels like you're just crossing your fingers and hoping. Cause I mean, Mr. Trubisky is not getting it done. <laughs> you need Josh Allen yeah. back there. 
Well, I think there were some rumors around the draft last year that the team wanted to take um, either Travis Etienne or Najee Harris had they been available at the pick. Uh, you know, we saw Devin Singletary kind of step up at the end of the year, but I think that they admit that there's limitations with him being the guy. The guy that I have my eye on that wouldn't be surprised to see would be Saquon Barkley. He's going into the last year of his rookie year. Obviously, we saw Joe Schoen and Brian Dayball go to the Giants. We, we know how... When they came to the Bills, when um, Brandon, Be- Mc- Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott came to the Bills, they ripped everything down. And I would expect that the Giants are kind of going to do the same thing. That's a guy that stands out to me with the relationship between the two organizations with the need. You know, we saw Brandon Bean talked about in his postseason press conference protecting Josh Allen more. And I think a lot of people think about the offensive line whenever you say we're going to protect the quarterback but a great way to protect the quarterback would be to add a running back that can take that load off him. And Barkley traditionally has shown himself to be one of the elite guys in the league, whether or not he can still get there off injury is an open question. It would just be the fact that a play action would actually draw somebody rather than be like, well, they're not going to hand it off. So we might as well just play Allen here. Like at least give some kind of doubt a defensive mind. Absolutely. I completely agree. And, and yes, and, you know, he'd be able to be used in the passing game and it would just add a completely different element. And the biggest thing, Devin Singletary is a nice player, but I think we've all seen it that he can get you three to five to six yards. But you, we see those runs that you think that that could have been a 45 yard touchdown that he got tackled after eight yards because that's just kind of the guy that motor is. But um, that's that's the biggest element that I think would be missing from the Bills offense. So one of the reasons why we brought you on here today was obviously to talk about fantasy football. You're a fantasy football writer and uh, someone that follows the fantasy game quite a lot. So let's talk a little bit about this past season. And one of the guys in particular, uh, Joe Burrow, obviously the run that he went on there. Are we going to see a big jump in, let's call it the Joe Burrow stocks heading in to the next season here over the offseason? Yeah, I think we've seen that already. If you play dynasty football, he's all the way up to some people have him as quarterback four in dynasty football, putting him behind Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. You typically, uh, yeah, you're going to see a lot of excitement, especially that run to the Super Bowl. It, you know, it's anytime a quarterback goes to the Super Bowl at that age, they're going to capture the eyes and, and whatnot. But really for fantasy football, the way that he closed the regular season, he had, I think, back to back like 400, 450 yard games that is going to draw a lot of attention. Now, certainly he's got Jamar Chase and he's got T Higgins. And those are guys that we are very high on at wide receiver. And they they have to do a little bit on that offensive line to kind of protect him a little bit more. But yeah, people are all in on Joe Burrow. Uh, how about Cooper Cup? What do we do with him and the wide receiver position? Is he what where should he go in proportion to other wide receivers? You know, I think you'd almost if you're playing in a redraft league, if there's not any sort of dynasty or keeper element to your league, he's probably got to be your wide receiver one coming off the season that he just had. That was I believe that was the greatest fantasy wide receiver season. I was pulling some numbers the other day and and that came out. Um, Football Guys is the site I write for, and they have a great tool on their website where if you go on there, you can look up. Um, any statistic that you want to see, whether it be fantasy points, receiving yards, whatever, and you can either do by game or by season, type it in there and they will tell you like all the guys that ran for 600 yards and caught 600 yards last year in the NFL. And it'll create a list and, and that's on their website. And, and I did a, a search for the, the, just the most fantasy wide receiver points ever. And Cooper cup was number one on that list. 
Yeah. I'm not surprised to see him up there after the season that he had um, going over and staying over there. Like a guy like Stafford, right. He had a good year getting out of Detroit, coming over to LA, um, but obviously not young. Like you, you touched on with Joe Burrow there. Who's a young quarterback who did the same thing. Um, are we going to see him rise up? I would imagine a little bit, but you're not going to put him into your top five or six quarterbacks. Are you? No, I don't think you put him quite that high. He he did have one of his best statistical seasons ever, and you would think that the the ceiling might be still even higher because he's going to be more comfortable within his second year with Sean McVay with the Rams, still having Cooper Cup. You know, they lost Robert Woods, our guy, former Bill, in the middle of the season. So that's why we kind of saw Van Jefferson and we saw some of the other players there when they added Odell Beckham. Uh, but having all those tools, if he's able to have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and Odell Beckham all together, if the, Odell Beckham's able to come back healthy, you know that, he's never had that level of tools. And and I think that as he grows in comfort, there's reason to get aggressive with him. But he's the biggest thing that you're looking at in fantasy football that he doesn't bring you is he's not going to run the ball. And a lot of the top quarterbacks that like a Kyler Murray or even our guy Josh Allen is able to run the ball, and they just get you just get more fantasy points that way. You talked about a couple of receivers there, and I wonder what you do with guys like Jamar Chase, who seem to be so quarterback reliant. If it's not for the connection that Joe Burrow has with Jamar Chase, uh, I don't think he's half of what the receiver he actually is. And we we look at maybe Devontae Adams, who we don't even know who's going to be throwing the ball his way or what's going to be happening there. What do you do with receivers who you think are just so reliant on their quarterback? Yeah, I would push back on Chase there a little bit. I, I think Chase is a special talent, and um, certainly the connection with Joe Burrow matters a lot because Burrow is willing to trust him and willing to throw the ball in. But when you look at Devontae Adams, God, that's that's a – who knows where that one's going to go. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, again, pops up in the news today off just randomly and, and comes in with an announcement that says he's got no announcement. Um, but, you, you know, you just never know if, if, if Jordan Love is throwing the ball to Devontae Adams. Um, I think there are some things in the Packers offense that they try to have some easy throws to Adams. They run a lot of RPO action and they kind of have underneath throws to Adams. So there he'll still get the ball some, but yeah, he's not the same player for sure. If Aaron Rodgers is no longer his quarterback. What what happened to Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. You, he, you let us there. You let us there. <laughs> what, what are we doing? Because I feel like he wasn't this kind of guy two years ago. Like he just seems to be, like he carries his own news camera around with him for whatever he needs to make no announcements. Like he just seems like he is playing off of, he needs to be in front of a camera. And that it's just so weird to me. Like why, where'd that flip come from? He, he He's becoming like a disease for that team a little bit. And he hasn't won. Like he, he won early in his career. And then after that, he's been a disaster, especially in playoffs, like in playoffs. I mean, obviously two MVPs back to back years, but he can't win those big games. That's what I don't understand. <laughs> I just think he's having a lot of fun, man. I, I really do. I think he's just, this is the way that he has fun. You know, I, I think that we see people like to troll and, and I think that he's just kind of trolling everybody is, is really what's going on here. A little bit of off season fun. How much of a uh, premium do you put on defense and fantasy at all? Any, do you draft them last? Is it just a waiver pickup? What do you, what's your strategy with, with the defense? Yeah, my last two picks are defense and kicker. And the way that I play, you know, I, I just don't even think about it um, when I'm playing in leagues that have defense. It, it's just, I, I like to look for, usually you can find undervalued defenses that um, have a lot of good pieces that 
you know, I've lucked into, like, I remember a couple of years back when Cleo Mack came to the bears, like the bears were like completely undrafted. I got them as my defense in the last round and they did very well that first year with Cleo Mack. And, you know, you can see that defenses get dropped on bye weeks. You can grab those. You can play matchups. There's just a lot of things that you can do with defense and fantasy that don't necessarily, you know, that you can use more valuable picks on other positions. And you touched on there that uh, defense kickers, your last two picks. So for someone who's getting into fantasy, and we like to ask this question a lot, someone who's getting into fantasy, how do you start off a draft? Usually, I like to start off with get, getting one running back, getting a running back that I feel comfortable with going to be the guy. And then I like to go for wide receivers and tight ends. We know that tight end production, there's only really a handful of top guys. And so my ideal start to a draft would be to get a stud running back, follow it up with, you know, Travis Kelsey, be ideal or a George Kittle, somebody like that, that we're comfortable with a tight end. That's going to be very productive. And then I like to hit wide receivers because you know, a lot of wide receivers can score you fantasy points, but at the very top, you know, there's only so many guys that get that level of so many targets that can really have big weeks consistently win you weeks and, and really the way that I'm building my teams, I'm looking for guys that can score me 30 to 35 points in one week is really what I want to try to get and try to get as many of those guys. I worry less about a guy that might consistently score like 11, 12, 13, 14 points. I just want guys that can have big weeks because that's how you see, you know, when you're playing a wide receiver drops 35 points and, and he's got a quarterback that drops 30 points. And, and that team is a very hard team to beat. Uh, now one more on fantasy and then we'll just wrap up on the actual NFL. Um, quarterback is always one that, that kind of intrigues me. Uh, I did something that I never do last year and took that Dak Prescott fairly early uh, in the draft to get a quarterback that I trusted. And it kind of backfired on me. Uh, what do you do with quarterbacks? Is there maybe five guys that you're targeting early in a draft? If you don't get them, then you're willing to wait. Yeah, that's usually my approach. Like I, I'm trying to get one of the, I really want to try to do it in like the fourth or fifth round after I've gotten a great running back, after I've gotten a tight end, after I've gotten a couple of receivers, then I really am hoping that, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Kyler Murray is available in like that fourth or fifth round that I can grab the guy there. If I don't do that, yeah, I'll just go ahead and wait forever because you can be, you know, I've had great success in leagues where I literally was the last person to get a quarterback and, you know, and then you come into the season and like two years ago, Ryan Tannehill came out of nowhere and had a great season or, or we've seen other quarterbacks that have come out of nowhere and been very productive. And so usually that's a position that you can find somebody on the waiver wire if you did miss in your draft. But my plan A would be to use like that fifth round pick on one of the elite quarterbacks. Just to quick yes or no answer is tom brady ever going to come back <laughs> no i, I <sighs> thought about that a lot yeah you know i i had a joking tweet this week that i think that giselle once told him that jimmy garoppolo is kind of cute so he decided he was going to go to the 49ers and go ahead and win when jimmy garoppolo couldn't do it but i think he's done i think when you decide that your mind that you decide you're done i think you're done it's just the the guy's mind is is competing and I don't know how he's going to take any kind of time off. It's, I mean, he's old enough. He's done everything he needs to do. I don't know what else he needs to do in football, but I, there's always going to be that uh, Michael Jordan thing in the back of our mind that maybe he'll go play baseball and then come back and play football again. Uh, we have a game on this show that sweeps the nation. 
and we call it present percent that basically we give uh, some situations and then we give percent chances that we think it's going to happen. So let me give you a couple right here that Joe Burrow gets back to the Super Bowl. period. 30%. Well, I think that's actually a pretty good number. I, I think the AFC, yeah. the AFC is way too strong to put it any higher yeah. than that. And he got – lucky's not the right word because, I mean, they did play well, but I think they played uh, a terrible Titans team that I don't know really should have been there. Um, the Chiefs played really bad after a really tough, tough week. Uh, that they had the week before with the Bills. I think they kind of had a path to the Super Bowl this year, and it's going to be really, really tough in the future. What about the Rams? The Rams, I'd say, well, well, like, what kind of window are you talking about with the Rams? Let's say within uh, the next five years. Yeah, I was going to say five-year window. Um, actually put it pretty high within five-year window. I would say let's do 60% because, you know, we see Tom Brady retire. We don't know what's happening with Aaron Rodgers. The NFC could really clear out the chance that Sean McVay ends up on our TV screen. Well, he's going to be on there at some level, I mean, <laughs> whether or not he's the coach or the analyst, but yeah, I think he's, I would say I'd put that about 15% in the, in the recent future, but long-term sure. I can see that. It's, there's so much money in media nowadays. We we're in a weird situation where, you know, some of these analysts are making more than half the players than most of the players, if not all the players, like there's money to be made there. And if he wants to retire while he's on top and still have the chance to come back, like, like maybe a John Gruden. then I mean, he can do that. He can do whatever he wants. That's Uh, very true. You can make the argument too, that, I mean, some people, some people will tune in to watch football to see Tony Romo analyze a game. Like there are people that will do that. Right. So does he deserve to get paid more than some people? Yeah. I mean, if you're tuning in to watch him, then certainly. Yeah, and I know I'm more excited when Tony Romo is doing a game than some of the other color analysts that you might get. Yeah, I'm. Uh, it's phenomenal. I don't even remember. He, there was a play where I think the quarterback called an audible. I think he called it Bob Ross or whatever it was. And he goes, well, he's a painter, so this is going to be a draw. And that's exactly what it was. Like He's yeah. just so good. I don't know how he does it. I don't know why someone doesn't give him more money to be the defensive coordinator and just sit there and scream into, <laughs> into, into some uh, defensive players' ears. Like I don't know why someone doesn't give him money for that because he's so good at it. Yeah, he is. He's excellent. He's very, very good at it. Well, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't think he wants to. I think he likes being on the TV so that everyone can hear him and see him be right. Right? Like Everyone can be like, oh, yeah, Tony Romo's well, good. He just got this right again. Right. Like, I think there's a little bit of an ego in there. I think he likes to play golf too. And I think that the, having the flexibility of just doing TV and then going off and playing a little bit of golf, I think is kind of his, his lifestyle too. Sure. You remember last year he took one weekend off and the whole internet just freaked out. That was funny. Uh, last one. And then we will let you go percent. This isn't even a percent that, but a bill's new stadium. Where are we at here? Do we need well, one? Is it coming? What's happening? I, I think we need one. Um, you know, and the, the reality of the situation, it, you need one just that that long term to know that you, it's going to be there because it being in the stadium that they're in right now, it's always just that in the back of your mind, especially especially where we were at you know, five years ago or whatever it was right before Pegula bought it when John Bon Jovi was trying to buy it and move to Toronto. Um, I think that you, re- you just really want that as a Bills fan to know that, okay, we're comfortable in Buffalo. We have this brand new facility. And I think as long as Josh Allen's the quarterback, the reality of it is having a dome probably would not be the worst idea. That's true. And uh, as a 
good Canadian. I don't want an NFL team anywhere near uh, north of the border, so it can stay down there. Yeah, um, it's honestly, it's a, it's a. Everyone's like, oh, uh, we'd rather the Bills stay in Buffalo than come to yeah. Toronto. I yeah, love hearing that. <laughs> uh, how do you feel on public money going towards those stadiums? How much public money is too much when you're talking about billionaires building stadiums for regular people to spend money to make them billionaires? Yeah, God, that, that's a that's a really tough topic because um, I, I think that there's there's a certain level of there's definitely civic pride when it comes into having your team. And there's definitely infrastructure that gets involved with it. You know, we see how many businesses can spring up around a stadium. And and I know I'm an Ohio guy and I know all the stories of when, especially the first time when LeBron James left the Cavaliers, how like it almost crippled, like the, like the downtown area around the stadium, because there was so, so much excitement about him being there and, you know, we, we see that and we seen have seen other brand new stadiums, Cleveland, again, when they built the new baseball stadium and the team was really good in the nineties that almost revitalized the downtown by itself. And so it's, it's one of those, it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's your team as a fan. And, but I do f- kind of feel like there, there needs to be some level of like, this guy can't move this, you know, if we're giving the money towards this, like you, you're here, you're not going to pull a Stan Kroenke and move across the country. And, and I think that there's, there needs to be a little bit more of aggressive triggers on that. Well, that does it uh, for us this week, Jeff. Listen, uh, we're all at a time. We thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure to talk football and uh, get to dig in a little bit about some of the things that we've uh, kind of been pushing to the side for the last few weeks here with the NFL season finally winding down. So pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to talk fantasy football, and we'll have to do it again sometime. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Goldline would like to thank the sponsors, the volunteers, and the fans for making the Port Elgin Chrysler 22 Ontario Tankard presented by Bruce Power such a great success. Curling has everything you're looking for in a pastime. Get started with equipment from Goldline, the choice of champions. I'm Dave Middleton, a proud Sun Life financial advisor, and I've got some fantastic ideas for the money that's building up in your bank account due to COVID-19. Make more and protect more. Visit sunlife.ca slash dave.middleton. Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Pleasure having you back here. Mitty, let's talk some sports. A couple of things we wanted to get to here. The NBA All-Star Game happened last weekend, and I kind of wanted to get your takes on, first of all, the skills competition, the slam dunk contest. It was something that I saw a lot of on social media. Is the slam dunk contest getting boring? Getting boring. It's been boring for years. When was the last true excitement that we had in, in a dunk contest? Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon was pretty good. When was that though? Like that, I feel like I feel like that was longer ago than we think. It was at the year Dwight Howard jumped over the car. Like I feel like that was still like seven years ago. That Gordon, I don't even know, but that's the thing. Like that, yeah, that was probably at least five years ago. And I think the dunk contest that most people, especially Canadians, still go back to was Vince Carter in what two thousand? Is that what that was? Long time ago. That, that's probably the most recognizable dunk contest. And you've had some pretty good dunkers since then. It's just, there's only a certain amount of things you can do. Like I don't get the skills competition thing. It's, it's a money thing. I don't get the whole all-star weekend, but the skills competition is clearly just for revenue, just for money because nobody cares. Nobody like the three point contest. That is easily the best thing they do easily. 
but we're seeing over years and this this doesn't just pertain to the nba and basketball you look at the mlb you look at um i think the mlb actually out of all the leagues probably does it the best um the nhl i still don't like theirs the nfl's is by far the worst of all the all-star weekends did you we Um, didn't get a chance to talk about it did you see what happened at the pro bowl this year it, in, in, in terms of what? What do you mean what it, happened? It turned into two-hand touch. Well, Alvin Kamara broke away and went like five yards downfield, and the D-back literally just touched him, and the refs blew the whistle. Like, they all just decided it was two-hand touch. Pretty sure that's how it, it always ends up, though, whether or not they, they actually mean to or not. The NFL's Pro Bowl is the most pointless. Like, I don't know why anyone would pay money to go see the NFL's Pro Bowl, unless, like, I don't know how cheap tickets are. But I'm not paying any more than 20 bucks to go see the Pro Bowl, even if it's in my own city. Well, I mean, you still get to see all of the best NFL players. Well, most of the best NFL players in one spot. And like they're still there. You still get to see the best quarterbacks. You get to see the best running backs. You get to see all your favorite players are there. Sure. It's not for the football. You know what the best all-star game we ever had was? What was it? Two years ago after Kobe died? Three years ago? Yep. When it got really serious by the end, you had teams begging for fouls. You had sets being run. It got really intense because everybody wanted to win uh, for Kobe. And that was special. If they could do that, that's why I hated so much when the MLB took away the all-star game, meaning something. I despised it because uh, I think it just added something. It added some kind of fire to the game, some kind of passion. Because other than that, there's no reason whatsoever to to even attempt to do an all-star game unless it's just what the NBA is now where it's just a farce. Like no, even, even the betting lines, I think the over under was like 300 or even maybe even higher than that. It might've been like 380 was the over under for the all-star game. You have Steph Curry who took nothing but threes made eight of 11, I believe in the first half. And it was 16, a a record in an all-star game. That's there's no defense. It's just let's see how far we can shoot the ball from, and ha ha ha, we're all friends. There's none of that. You don't get that true hatred of players anymore. Where you know I I can't even I I can't even pick two players because Shaq and Kobe were on the same team, and they're probably the most recognizable. But like that, you don't have the guys who just go to battle every day because everyone's friends now. They see each other on the court. They give each other hugs. There isn't that like I hate you. Let's do this out right now while we can. Well, and you always run into the problem as well. Guys not wanting to either go to the all-star game in general or guys not wanting to compete, certainly not to their full extent. I mean, you look at the NHL, for example, Alexander Ovechkin, how many years has he been an all-star in his career and how many times has he actually gone to the all-star game? I'm fine with that. If they, right? the like You can count on it. one hand how many times he's gone. I don't know if he has. Certainly not in recent memory. Make it an absolute joke then I don't expect the players to want to go a part of the MLB agreement that they're trying to get done this week. And I'm going to mention it. I mentioned it right there. MLB agreement because curse this mini mini show. That means we will have an agreement by the end of this week. Cause I mentioned it Yeah, before so this probably before, goes on air. We'll get something. So yes, I'm going to mention it. Uh, part of it apparently is a fine for players that make the all-star game and don't go. Okay. I mean, I don't like it, but okay. Well, depending on what the fine is, though, some of those guys, right? I'll take the fine. I'll take my few days off here. Sometimes you wonder if guys would just rather have the couple days off. I get the the All-Star game. I get the All-Star game. The All-Star games in every sport were started 
for one reason and one reason only. To money. Money, right? Revenue. It's an extra day, now two days, sometimes more for revenue for the league. Um, so I'm not shocked to see, um, you know, them still doing it, adding things to it, if anything, right? The all-star games aren't getting smaller in these sports. They just keep on adding on to them. If we can add another day here, we can add in a couple more events. They're going to keep doing it. I mean, most players don't, most players don't even take that time off, off. Like they're still working out. Pitchers are still trying to throw to make sure they're staying loose. They're still staying on their routine or getting used to a new routine that they're going to have after break. Like it's not like they're just, they just went to their family house and they're sitting on their couch for the week. That's not what they're doing. They're still professional athletes. Uh, how much time do we have? I don't have a, I don't have a clock up here. Any five of... minutes left here before we uh, got to end off this segment. All right. That's perfect. So let's talk about LeBron James. Okay. Okay. Cause at the all-star game, there was two things that happened and I have a gripe with both. The first one, he called himself the greatest that's ever played. Is that a problem? Can you do that to yourself? Uh, not, not if you're LeBron James, I don't if, think if, so. if there, if there is a legitimate conversation that could ha- be had there, if you're the greatest, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like for some reason, I feel like if Wayne Gretzky came up to me and told me that he was the greatest to ever play, it feels a little bit different than if LeBron James does because LeBron James isn't that far ahead, even statistically than some other guys at all. I mean, if I was to tell you that I think MJ was the best player to ever play basketball, uh, there's an argument on my way to be had. There's an argument in LeBron's way to be had, but you've never, I mean, he probably has hinted at it obviously, but um, there's, you know, Michael Jordan doesn't walk around saying that he's the best that's ever played. Tom Brady doesn't walk around with a, like um, yelling that he's the goat to everybody. It just doesn't, it, that's not what the people who are truly good do. That's what people who have a complex and want to be the best or I want to be known as the best that's ever been, but don't feel like they're getting that recognition. That's the people that do that. Those are the people that buy $70,000 trucks, the people with complexes. That is what LeBron James is doing there. And I have a major problem with it. The other thing was he said that he wanted before the end of his career, he wanted to play with his son, Bronny. And he didn't care where it is. Whoever drafts him, he will go. Now I'll tell you what that is because Bronny is not a shoe in to be a draft pick. No. Okay. He's not a top 10 prospect. He is not, he's only six foot three, which is not huge in the NBA. So what this is, is LeBron James ensuring that his son is going to get drafted because somebody wants LeBron James. Bingo. Right on the head. That I knew that's bad. what you were going to say. And that's exactly what it is. It is a, you get now, not only if you draft him, if you draft Bronny, who, I'm sure will be a good basketball player. I don't know if he's going to be like his dad. Have to remember, there's only two rounds in the NBA draft. So a team is basically using a second round pick. He's going to end up being a high pick because if LeBron also, is you're usable, drafting LeBron James. Yeah, if, if LeBron James is usable, then and you're that you're a team that's right on the cusp. I don't think it's worth it if you're, uh, let's say, the Timberwolves, right? That you're at the bottom, you're picking in the top five. That doesn't make sense. But if you're I don't even know the Toronto Raptors who are maybe one piece away uh, from being a true contender. And that one piece being LeBron James draft Bronny play him for two minutes a game. Who cares? As soon as LeBron retires, cut Bronny, but it's just, it's, it's so petty to me to hold an organization basically hostage 
to draft somebody that probably maybe possibly shouldn't be drafted. I mean, we're two years away. Who knows what happens? He grows a foot. I was going to say, how old is he now? I think he's what? Not He's not even 18. He's got two years till his draft year. So like he's got time to build into himself and he's got one of the best coaches probably on the planet to do it. But it just seems so petty to me that it's kind of disgusting. And I don't, I tend to overreact to things. So I think maybe I'm overreacting, but it just, it, it seemed, it, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So the Toronto Raptors have the fifth overall pick, let's say in the draft and nobody in the first four takes Bronny. And the Raptors do. Are you upset? Yes. Is that a waste of a pick to you? Yes. Especially when you're getting LeBron James for one year. If the Raptors are. And let's not forget. Let's not forget that LeBron James has destroyed every organization he's gone to. The Cleveland Cavaliers took years to rebuild after he came through. The LA Lakers are filled of old players who can't play anymore. Uh, Miami went through a rebuild. Once LeBron James comes in. He destroys your organization. You might get a ring out of it. And when he leaves, you have to rebuild. That's what that is. So is LeBron going to say, draft Bronny, coming here, and I'm bringing Russell Westbrook with me? Uh, that No. I don't think anyone should take him above. I don't think anyone should take him in the first round. But somebody who's drafting probably 15th or belower might. We thank you for joining us for another week of mediocre, uh, I would say, sports Above average. Above average. Where you, you would say above average. I would say right at the average line. We are sitting directly on that mean line. We follow a lot of people that do similar stuff to us, and I would put us at the above average. There are some terrible takes out there on the internet. Would you and put although us your in, takes, okay. Although your takes are bad, my takes are worse, we're still better than half the people out there. You know what I actually thought today? And I want to defend myself on one of the, on the take I had on the very first pilot episode very first episode we did do you remember my terrible take in the very first episode how am i supposed to remember that because i do and i know you do too i said that the la lakers were not going to win the championship inside the bubble and they ended up winning the championship inside the bubble i didn't think they were that good and i'm actually standing by what i said today yes they got four months off and they were able to win a championship in the bubble but now we're seeing what the true la lakers are and they are not a championship (laughs) I stand by exactly what I said a year and a half ago. So I am not saying that's a bad take. I do recall now that you say that, that you picked the Lakers, but I remember we did a, uh, a playoff pool. And for some reason, I feel like you didn't pick the Lakers. No, I didn't pick them. I picked them to be out in the second round. I said they weren't going to win. That's my point. And you thought it was a terrible take because they ended up winning the championship. And I'm saying they I, got I, I, I picked the Clippers. I thought maybe I'm just saying I'll they go back and look at it because of the time that they had off that Anthony Davis wasn't hurt. Now the band-aid that is the eyebrow is down again. He's going to be over a while. And LeBron James is going to have to do it with a Russell Westbrook who can't control a team and just a bunch of older, but they traded away all their, t- all their young. Listen, players. listen, the key to being a sports radio podcast host is to come up with two to three takes a week. And one of every 10 hopefully will hit. And you'll look like a genius. The other nine, throw them out the back window. They're not going to hit. It's all for show. And you, the, that's what separates the good from the bad is you accept your bad takes. If you're good at this, accept your bad takes, acknowledge them, uh, say where you were wrong and move on. If you're bad at this, you scream into the mic about 40 bad takes and then one hits and you ignore the rest and say that you're the best. And when your bad hits, 
miss, you come up with an excuse for why they missed, right? I don't have any excuses. I'm just terrible at coming up with takes. That's just, that's the excuse right that's there. Bring me along. That's why I bring you along. You're here for the bad takes that sometimes hit. 10% of the time, we are right every time. Smitty Mitty okay. Show, that does it for us here across the TSMS radio network for this week. Join us next week. Check out the podcast coming out every Monday and Rogers TV, Great Bruce and London Friday and Saturday nights. We'll talk to you again. Wait, 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 wait. Let's thank our sponsors, Dave Middleton, Satellite Financial Life's Brighter Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling, the choice of champions. You almost sent us away without thanking the people that keep the lights on in the studio. So now I will say join us next week, same time where you're listening. 